Hi everyone and welcome to the Live Daily Podcast. I'm the host, Nina, and today I'm having a conversation with Urmi, who's passionate about finance. If you don't know the podcast, in each episode, a guest shares one of their passion to inspire us and show us our passions can help to overcome fears and simply live a more positive life. Urmi is Bengali by blood, Italian by birth, and Canadian by law, so she considers herself a global citizen. In this episode, she will explain how finance is perceived differently depending on the region you are from. One of her mission is to empower women, and she does so through her YouTube channel and through the many talks she gives, like the one on this podcast. Herself, she didn't know much about finance when she was a little girl, but she then went to university to study finance and she now has been in the finance industry for six years. If you don't know how to manage your finances or you're a student who just finished university and you don't know what type of career to choose, or if you simply want to plan your retirement, then make sure to listen to this episode as Urmi will share her tips with us and she will also explain why she thinks it's important to invest in yourself. If you want to support the podcast, then of course make sure to leave a review and to follow me on social media such as Instagram at the live they live underscore podcast and also to share the podcast. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. doing thank you so much for joining me on the podcast i'm very happy to to have you on the life they live hi nina thank you for having me i'm very excited to be here today yeah thank you so much do you want to introduce yourself maybe in a few words before we uh, dive in the the main topic of uh, today's episode sure So hi everyone, my name is Urmi, I live in Montreal, I've been living in Montreal for a very long time. I am originally from, from Italy and here in Montreal I work and study. I specifically work in the financial services industry. Great. Yeah, so we will talk about finance as a, this is your, your passion, you have a passion for, for finance. And I think before we go um, and talk in details about your passion, it's nice to talk a little bit about your, your background and where you grew up, because I think that for you, it's very important, this uh, you know, multicultural aspect of your life. So do you want to go maybe in more depth uh, in terms of uh, where you're from, where your family's from, where you lived? Sure. Um, so I was born, so I always tell people I am Italian by birth, uh, Bengali by blood, and Canadian by law. But I also tell people that I'm like a global citizen. So my whole life, I was I was basically, um, bo I was born in Italy, I was brought up there and with parents coming from uh, Bangladesh. And then uh, many years ago, I moved, uh, moved to Canada. And I feel like all these like different cultures and nationalities, they shape me to be the person that I am. And because I have like this many cultures, I always tell people, I think I'm a global citizen. I belong to the world and I am all nationalities. <laughs> and uh, for you, so what does it mean uh, exactly to be a, a global citizen and how does it impact you in your, in your everyday life? I would say for me, um, 
means to be a more open-minded person and also means uh, integration because i feel like uh, no matter in which country you go you are the citizen of the world and you have to just you know integrate with the culture with the country that you're visiting and i think it's very important to be a very open-minded person especially when you travel and visit new places and just to be open to new cultures and new learnings new languages because we are all different and authentic at the same time and that's how we can like be a better person so that's how i, I define global citizen now. yeah yeah i'm sure people would have uh, different definitions maybe it's also very very personal um so i've talked about it on the podcast in the past a little bit but i also you know was born in, in france and my family is, is french so um my whole family is french but then when i was nine years old i moved to mexico and i went to the united states germany and now the netherlands so i also understand what you mean by uh, you know identifying as like a global global citizen and yeah i guess it depends also of um of the relationships you have with these different countries. But for me, for example, even though, you know, I'm not Mexican, like I don't have the Mexican nationality, Mexico will always have an important, you know, place in my heart. And it's definitely a country that, uh, that impacted me a lot in my, in my life. So I do think you grow a lot from, from these experiences and, um, and yeah, so I completely understand what, what you mean by that. And when you move, so you're, you moved first from uh, Italy to England, right? If I'm not wrong. Um, so I did live in England mm -hmm. for a year and then we went back to Italy. So this happened like during my childhood, okay. like, a lot ha has happened. So we were in Italy for a couple of years and we went to England for like a year, then we went back to Italy. Mm -hmm. And then I finished all my school there and then I moved to Canada and now my parents are in England. Okay. So they just keep moving. <laughs> and so uh, you've been, so you're in Montreal, right? So did you learn French mm -hmm. when you moved there or did you already speak French before? No. I, I knew French okay. before coming to Canada because I I took like intensive French courses, mm -hmm. but I also had to take some courses when I came to Canada because I don't know if you are aware that the French from Quebec and the yes. ones from France are pretty different mm -hmm. in terms of the accent. So it was pretty difficult initially for me to understand the accent because it's like something else. Because I, I was, I grew up well, I learned the, the, the accent from France, so it was easier for me to understand it. But when I came to Canada, I was like, okay, I think I need to take some lessons because this is something else. Uh, so yeah, so I, I knew it before coming and then I took some courses here. Yeah, there's definitely uh, differences. I've been also uh, in uh, to Montreal when I was little. I don't remember exactly how old I was. And it's also mostly the expressions that they use sometimes. I'm like, okay, I have no idea. <laughs> what they mean because it's like different uh, expressions than the one we have in France so it's definitely um, yeah it's definitely nice to learn new languages and I think it's very important if you live in a country you definitely get a different experience if you speak the language or if you don't you know speak the local language so it takes time sometimes to to learn a language but I think there's a lot of uh, of benefit in in learning uh, languages and um in terms of uh, the fact that you identify as a global citizen, what would you say are the benefits maybe and disadvantages of feeling like you come from different areas of uh, of the world? 
So I think when it comes to benefits, there are so many. Mm-hmm. Like um, you feel, like I said before, you feel more like an open-minded person, but I think it also makes you very empathetic and compassionate because you get to learn about so many different things that do not happen perhaps in your own cultures and then you learn them from other cultures and you try to understand a little bit, okay, this is how this is how they are because of all these things that, that are behind them. And I think um, this, this advantage, was that, which I also think is also, it could be an advantage. Um, I think when you have so many nationalities, sometimes it's hard to define one and sometimes it's hard that you know you probably don't feel like you're fitting a box or you're ticking a box you know so you feel out many times you feel like an outsider but he has a good side out of it it's just that you are authentic or or in original because there might be not many people like me and you with that many nationality or with the same nationalities i think in a way it makes us very special and um and very unique so i guess it could it be a dilemma i don't think so i think you can just flip it and see okay yeah i felt kind of as an outsider but now i feel like i'm unique because there are not that many people like me but it's true that uh, i don't understand what you mean by feeling like an outsider i don't know if you have the same uh, experience but for me when i'm in france i feel like i'm an outsider and then when i'm abroad i feel like i'm french i don't know it's kind of uh, hard to explain i don't know if you experienced the same thing or not yeah for me it was mainly um yeah i i did feel that but it was mainly when i when i grew up so it was more like um which i felt an outsider when i was like going to school because there are not that many people like me they look like me mm-hmm. you know i had italian friends and i was bengali and then when i was at home i just felt like i didn't feel Bengali enough because I feel like I have an Italian side in me so it was like that's what I mean by outsider where you're not enough of something mm-hmm. yeah but like you said I do think you you learn also a lot uh, from it and from uh, also you learn how to adapt to to different places like um like me for example if I take my personal story I moved to the Netherlands when I was 18 so it's still like quite young, you know, and I moved to a country that uh, I, I didn't I didn't speak Dutch. Uh, I didn't know, you know, I didn't have family in the Netherlands. And for me, it was it, I didn't experience it as like, um, how can I say, like, I feel like I adapted pretty um, easily because I was like, OK, I'm, I have experience with, you know, living in a country where I don't speak the language. So for me now, it's kind of a bonus <laughs> if I'm in a country where I speak the language because it's more uh, normal for me to be like, oh, yeah, I don't speak that language. So I think you learn how to adapt maybe more easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like when I came to Canada, that's not how I felt. I actually felt like Canada was a very welcoming country. Mm-hmm. And and in Canada, I did not have that feeling of, of being an outsider because there are so many nationalities and there are so many people from different cultures that you actually feel like you belong to something like it really feels like home so it was different experience in Canada because I think in Italy we don't have that many like immigrants we do have but when I grew up it was it was very rare so often I felt like I didn't belong to the whole Italian community so that's where I just struggled a little bit also with my own identity Okay, yeah, it's very interesting also that you can uh, compare the different countries where where you lived. 
And I was kind of uh, wondering also, because like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you're passionate about finance. So um, before we talk more about how your passion grew and how you, why you decided to, um, you know, work in the finance industry, um, are there differences you've, you've um, perceived in terms of uh, how, you know, individuals from Italy or Canada perceive finance or like how for like how they um, I don't even know how to phrase this but like how um, how they perceive finance I guess would be the the best way to to do it are they cultural differences that you have been able to to observe um, I've seen cultural differences in my in the South Asian culture like the Bengali culture the culture of my parents okay this is where i've seen a lot of differences it's just because um well when it comes to like canada or like europe i think it's pretty similar when it comes to like handling money and finances but i think from a south asian perspective what i can tell you is that women usually are not handling the finances at home it's usually the male figure that has to do it so it's either your brother your father your husband who does that that's where i saw the biggest difference and women are never like taking into consideration for the biggest decision uh, they are just really like marginalized in that sense and and i think it's also because of the fact that women are just seen as um as having different responsibility in in their life rather than handling like all this other stuff at home so uh, this is where i've seen the difference the, the biggest difference and this is also why i have my own like blog where i talk about these things so at least you know we can educate women and we can you know make them financially literate literate and so that they can also like handling the money at home and it's not just the man and did you already have um this knowledge when you were a child like when did you start to see those differences so when i grew up it was the same thing with me like mm -hmm. my dad never taught me about money like i i knew nothing about it and i i just remember him saying one euro makes a huge difference mm -hmm. i just remember him saying that and it just stuck in my mind and um i never asked him about money i, I just felt like it was a taboo topic and i think it's still a taboo topic in many households and i was always scared of asking about money i was scared of asking him for, for money he would give me like an, an allowance to just buy something for myself but he never really taught me more about money and I know that like he was living basically with three other women it was my mom my sister and myself mm -hmm. and he it was always him handling all the finances at home and even even from like when it comes to my mom he never actually taught her about money because it, it was just there is such a like cultural barrier in that sense that it's only the man that has to do it so this is where I just started to think about this since I was a kid okay and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to study finance eventually. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's interesting what, what you were saying about uh, the fact that it was taboo. So I kind of wonder how um, how your curiosity grew. Then did you start asking people around you? Or like how, how did you go look for information when you were a child? No. No? No, actually, no. I, I never asked for information. Like I just... I always took whatever they told me, like if they said, okay, you, you're not handling the, the finances at home or you, you don't need to know about money, I would just agree with them. Mm -hmm. 
and um, as I grew older, so I went into like finance studies, I studied finance, I did an honors in finance. It was only later, like, and I'm talking when I was like 24, 25, that I was like, okay, I want to learn a little bit more about personal finance. And this is where I started to get a little bit more knowledgeable and educating myself a little bit more about uh, personal finance. So I started to like watch stuff on YouTube, read books listen to a lot of podcasts and also learn from other people that I have in my network. So it just came like really later on in life. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but you went to study finance when you were 18 then at university or how old were you? Um, when I you... Was, actually, I was 20. 20. Okay. <laughs> because then I'm kind of wondering uh, at 20, if you um, at the time didn't have so much uh, knowledge when it comes to the finance industry, like what made you choose uh, the, those studies was there still like a, a spark in you and you knew that you were going to find finance interesting or how no, did it uh, happen it, no it's actually pretty funny because finance was never my major it was my minor so okay. my major was international business mm -hmm. and i took a few classes and after that i was like i'm i'm done with this i don't like this subject it was boring it was not interesting and then i took some finance classes and that's what made me fall in love with the subject like I just really enjoy going to my finance classes and listening to my teachers and this is where I was like oh I really enjoy this I'm gonna make it as my major so I this is where I started the study finance I, I took many classes in finance to, to graduate and then I think my grades really helped me to get into the honors program and I wrote a thesis about art and wine investing but I really enjoyed like studying finance. I, like I would enjoy going to the to my exams and writing the exams. I was like, wow, this is so amazing. I, I remember I didn't want to graduate because I was so upset. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna learn this anywhere else. So for me, it was like I was I was really enjoying. Like I was I really love finance in general. No, I, really I feel like that's quite rare. Like I don't hear a lot of people saying that they're excited to go, you know, write their exam <laughs> or they don't want to finish their studies. So, um, yeah, you must feel very like, uh, I don't know, grateful when you find studies that uh, fit you so well, because uh, yeah, yeah, for some people, feeling. it's uh, challenging to find what they like. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's fulfilling. That's how I like to say it. Yeah, I can imagine that. That's great. And uh, what aspects of financing did you find particularly um interesting so if we stay because i'm sure then with the years you uh discovered more aspects of financing but really when you started your studies what uh, what grabbed your interest so it's very dynamic as a subject like there are so many things that 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 happen you know there are so many products being developed like now we have Bitcoin. So every year there's something new. But what I like a lot is company valuations. So you know the you you see the stock price, but there is an like a story behind this stock price. And this is what really like interests me a lot. And you start to like learn more about the the story, the history of every company. And every company goes to different places. You try to like learn. You learn about the different challenges. You learn about how they make more money, or how they are able to be successful, or how they are able to innovate themselves. So because it's like so different, and every every company has a different story, I think we're always like interested to learn more about it. And finance is always changing. There are so many things always happening in the financial system, even even now, or, you know, with the, the whole situation that is happening, mm -hmm. like, in, like in, in other countries, you, you see how it impacts 
the whole Google system. So it's, it's very interesting because it's like all intertwined and interconnected and everything depends on that. Yeah, I can imagine it's, uh, it's for sure interesting to be recording this episode with you because I haven't mentioned it yet. I, I told you already when we prepared this episode, but finance is really not the, the area that I'm the most, um, that I know the most about, let's say it like that. Um, yeah, for me, finance is kind of a area that always seemed like, a, I don't know, I've just never really been attracted to, to finance. So that's why I think it's really interesting to record this episode because uh, I'm really gonna gonna learn also from that, and that that's whole that's the whole point of the podcast. And then I can ask you also questions coming from someone who is a beginner. I guess we can say it like that. So um, yeah, I, I really want to to learn uh, more about that. And also, I think like now also in society, it's becoming so important uh, to to invest in yourself. And I know that's something you you also say that you find it important to invest in yourself. And why do you think it's so important? And also, what do you think it means at the end of the day to invest in yourself? So I like to think that we are the biggest investment that we can ever do. And I think it's always important that you do as much as you can to enrich yourself. And by that, I mean, like, you know, taking courses, like if you, let's say, enjoy photography, then take photography classes so you can learn a new skill. Um, or let's say you like to speak in public or maybe you're afraid but you want to overcome the fear then you should join like public speaking clubs and this is something that I do for myself as well like I I like to like I have a fear for public speaking and I was like okay I'm gonna get over this fear I'm gonna go to Toastmaster which is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to for people that, are, that want to work on their public speaking skills uh, other things that I do, for instance, is have my blog and just work on my writing skills because I'm like, oh, eventually if I want to, let's say, write a book, then, you know, I have work towards that. Or other things such as, like, I really enjoy volunteering and I think through volunteering you can learn a lot, a lot of skills that probably you wouldn't learn at work. You can learn a lot of soft skills and I try to use my time to do that. And a lot of other things that I do is take courses, try to learn new languages, uh, read books. And that's what I mean by investing in yourself. You just have to do as much as you can to just enrich yourself, become much more knowledgeable. And I think that's also where you feel much, much happier and satisfied with the things that you have accomplished because you're like, oh, I'm learning so many new things. It feels great. So that's really what I mean by investing in yourself. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with you. And uh, it's very personal. also, of course, how you want to, to invest in your in yourself. But uh, there is also yeah, a lot of um, yeah, it's very you use the word fulfilling earlier, I think it's very fulfilling to learn so many skills, you know, and to uh, work towards achieving your, your goals. So I can I can only agree agree with you on, on that. And just to come back quickly uh, on on your studies. I think um, it was interesting that you mentioned you wrote your thesis about uh, art and wine investing because I wondered uh, when I first saw that, like, why did you decide to to focus on art and wine? Are those also passions of yours or did it just happen? <laughs> no, 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 I don't have a passion for mm -hmm. art and wine, but... Um, so when I was, like, writing my thesis, we had, like, a choice. We could, like 
choose some topics from whatever was discussed previously from other students or we could just think about something that wasn't discussed so because i am all about like being original and authentic i was like let me see if there's something different that i can talk about and i just felt that we always talk about like investing in stocks and bonds and other stuff but we never talk about investing in like stuff like art and wine so i was like i think this would be probably very interesting so that's i did some research and i was like oh i think not many students spoke about it so you know what i think i will be the first one to speak about art and wine investing so that's how i ended up writing my thesis about that and it was just really a study just to find out like how they perform in comparison to other assets and if you know they could be a good asset if they're good assets that you can use to diversify your portfolio and so forth so i just wanted to do something a little bit different and that's how i came up with latin one <laughs> yeah and sometimes also when you write your thesis like even though you have the the choice you know you can choose your topic you kind of uh, are kind of uh, influence based also on what you say what has been done before and uh, what's new i also had when i when i wrote my thesis i had a very clear idea of what i wanted to do but there was not enough research about it so i then diverted towards something very uh, specific so sometimes also when writing your thesis what's nice is you can uh, you know discover actually new new topics and then research more about a topic that was unfamiliar to you so that's definitely a that's definitely interesting. And um, I mean, I just graduated, uh, I just finished my, my bachelor, and I want to do a, a master actually starting uh, in, in September. So I'm still in the student phase, you know. So when preparing this episode, I thought I would really like to ask you a question for uh, other students like me. Because when you when you when you are a student or when you graduate, you know, it's when you start slowly to become also financially independent or just independent in general. And it can be a, a hard stage of your life because, you know, you have so many options of studies of like work careers and you don't really know, OK, where you're going to go. And it feels like sometimes you have a lot of pressure. You know, it's kind of OK, if I choose mm -hmm. this master, then I'm going this way. And uh, there's no coming back, you know, it kind of feels like that sometimes. So um, I was wondering, based on your experience, if you have recommendations you would like to give to students that uh, just graduated and they want to be on the, on the job market, but they also don't really know how to manage their finances. Okay, so to tackle like part of your questions, mm -hmm. basically, um, some of the tips that I would give to students that graduating and do, they do not know how to navigate the job market, I think one, when you're a student, it's very important that you like use career advisor, uh, career advisors that you have most probably in your university. They are there to guide you, to help you, and they will probably like help you to see help you to give you a little bit of like clarity and understand where you want to go. I think it's also important to have a mentor uh, in university or somewhere in your circle who went through the same struggles. And I think those are probably the, the biggest resources that we can ever have because they went through the same struggle and they probably be able to answer our questions and also to go to career fairs and to network a lot. And I think it's very important to network when you're in university and build, let's say, your curriculum or LinkedIn from the, from the start of your 
journey in your university. I think it's important that you start from there and have connections and also to participate. I'm pretty sure you guys have like call programs where you take a semester off and you work. I think mm -hmm. it's important to, to do those. And also to do as much as you can when you're in university, because like there are so many things that university organize, like case competition or different like activities. Just go in all of them so that you can learn a little bit about what you want to do and explore yourself. I think those those are very very important. And when it comes to finances, I think it's very important that you do not like it. it always comes to like student loans. It's very important that you, that you do not like pursue a degree, let's say for thirty thousand dollars, and then you you find a job that only pays I don't know twenty thousand. Maybe it's it's not the case because then you will you're not being compensated enough to pay your student loan. So you always want to also check like, okay, I want to go into this degree. Is this something that I want to do? Is it gonna you know open me the door in the job market? You want to make sure of that. And I think it's also very important that, you know, you know your basic finances, like budgeting, saving, that you start investing. And it's always important that you start from a very young age, because I think it just helps you to be, to build a solid foundation. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you that it's uh, important to, to have this knowledge. Unfortunately, it's not something you really taught uh, at school, like at high in high school, for example, I was never taught about that. And then if you don't uh, choose a bachelor or a master that is in that sector, then you're also not really taught about that. So um, I, I do agree with you. But it's true that if you don't choose a, a study that's related to, to finance, then you kind of have to go get the information yourself. It's not something you really taught at so much at school unfortunately but uh, you know what even in finance no one teaches you about personal finances something like even in canada or in other places like you need to no one teaches you about personal finances like it seems almost it's like a taboo topic so you have to learn it by yourself but i think it's something that we need like from the beginning it's part of our daily life so i don't know why it's not taught and even when i took finance classes it was very more it was more towards um like investing it was nothing about personal finance so mm -hmm. i can tell you that i have to learn a lot by myself yeah, yeah it's almost like it's always oriented to like uh, your career i guess we could say but not really your like you said personal mm -hmm. finances so yeah, yeah it, it would definitely be great if uh Already in high school, there was more, you know, courses about about that because at the end of the day, it's something that we're all kind of concerned with. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> and uh, where what would you recommend? Which platforms could people uh, use to to learn more about uh, how to manage their personal finances? I um I watch few YouTube videos mm -hmm. and there is this uh, girl that I really like. Uh, her name is uh, Rose Rose Han. So she, her channel is called Investing with Rose, and she's pretty good. She's like um, she was a finance student. She worked in Wall Street, and then she decided to quit her nine to five job and start her own thing. So she talks a lot about personal finance. She gives like book recommendations, she, she teaches you about stocks, she teaches you about budgeting and saving. And I think I like the way she approaches things because it's very simplified so anyone can learn and she makes it really easy. All right. Yeah, then uh, it's definitely good, uh, <laughs> good recommendation for the for the ones that want to 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 learn more. Are there also maybe podcasts or books that you would recommend? Or? 
Yes, I have a book that I, so there are many books that I really like, that I really liked, but one in particular that I liked, it was, um, it was this book called The Latte Factor from David Bach. So what I really liked about this book, it's, it's super short, but it's like, it's short, but it goes like, it teaches you a lot of things. So it tells you how like a latte, let's say roughly costs, I don't know, $5 without taking into consideration the whole inflation and everything, but let's say it costs $5. And what he's telling you is that if you use that $5 to not buy your, your latte, but actually to invest it, you can actually become a millionaire. Okay. And, I, and I agree with that because I had a habit of buying coffee like every day once in the morning, once in the afternoon. And I remember looking at my bank account and thinking I just spent $300 on coffee for the whole month. But if I have used this money to invest it and I let it grow and compound, it would probably like, I would probably be much richer than I am right now. So it just teaches you how simple actions like don't buy coffee every day, but use it to invest in can actually give you the financial freedom that you're looking for. Okay, yeah, it's interesting because then it means like even if you don't have to uh, spend hours on it, just like daily actions can also uh, can also help you. So that can, of course, be reassuring maybe for some people that, uh, like me, I guess, who want to learn more about uh, finance, but you don't really know where to where to start, you know, because there's so so much so much information. Um, would you have maybe advice also for? Yeah, the, the ones that want to start managing their, their finances, but they find it more like a, a core, like a burden more than, uh, and they don't really know where where to start with like investing, for example. So I think um, if it's your first time, I think it's always very important that you always educate yourself and do all the researches. And I know it can be really overwhelming, uh, but there are like courses out there, like there are so many financial courses coaches right now and you can just like try to google one and try to buy their courses because they're pretty good um youtube is a very good like resource to learn more about um like budgeting and saving you just have to choose the right person like the one i told you investing with was just pretty good mm -hmm. and i think when it comes to like when it comes for example with, uh, with budgeting and i know that it can be a little bit hectic and too much sometimes i think it just has to start with a simple action of having let's say an excel file and you just list out like this is how much i'm making this is how much i'm getting every time and this is these are all the expenses and just you just to see like okay am i getting enough to cover all my expenses or am i getting enough to save a little bit more because i think it's important to like you always want to make sure that you're covering all your liabilities and all the expenses that you have but also to make sure that you have enough that you can use to save for emergency and to have a little bit for retirement and to have a little bit with uh, with investing and it, it doesn't have to be the amount it just has to be like a little portion of whatever you can afford and i think that's very very important and i always tell people like you know, especially students, they don't care about retirement because they're like, oh, I'm still a student. I have my whole life before I, I'm going to retire. But I think it's very important that you start thinking about retirement at an early age because of the whole, you know, power of compounding. Your money gets compounded every year and it grows at the much more, much more exponential rate. So it's important that you start as soon as possible. And, you know, to be rich, it's really not about, like, yes, you do do need the tools you need 
you do need the money, but it's also about your mindset. Like if you tell yourself, okay, I want to have this much by this year, you just have to have that mindset where you tell yourself, okay, this is what I want to do. And you build that foundation and you just start taking little actions from there on how can I achieve this or what can I do to make it a little bit better. And it's also about self-discipline too. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's funny when you were talking about um, retirement, I was thinking actually um, the same as what you just said, that uh, so for some people it seems so far, but then, you know, like uh, you have to already think about it at an early at an early age. Now we're talking about finances, but uh, I, I study public health and I have a strong interest in aging and also with health, for example, um, you have to think about your health when you're young and uh, it's not something you you start thinking about you know later of course you can take care of your health your entire life but sometimes people they have kind of the mentality that it's so far away so we don't have to think about it but uh, i think in that sense health and finance they are related uh, yeah so mm -hmm. i completely agree with you and you talked a little bit about savings so again i'm not an not an expert on that but uh, do you want to share maybe your opinion in terms of savings you know and the uh, cryptocurrency also that's becoming uh more that expanding more uh what do you think is the best way to save i guess now in 2022 okay i think when it comes to saving um so i think when it comes to saving there are so many things that you can do i think first things first like um pay yourself first every time you you get your paycheck and use that money to to put it into your retirement account or to put it into your investment account or to just put it in your emergency account because i think as you mentioned with health concerns i think we have seen through the past years that you know with the whole pandemic and everything that you know it's it's important to have an emergency account especially because you want to make sure that you have that enough cushion to face the unexpected if something happens if let's say you have to buy um a ticket plane to to go somewhere unexpectedly and you don't have the money then you want to make sure that you can rely on your savings account in your on your emergency account and i think um usually for the emergency account they say to have it um, like three two months uh it, it should cover three to three to six months of your expenses and it should be there as your question um, the same with investing, I think it's always important to start from an early age. And I think if you're not familiar with investing, you should always ask for, for advice from financial advisors. And I think the easiest way to get into the market is through uh, stock investing. And I think a lot of people feel like stock investing into the stock market is for the rich or it's a place where you just gamble or you lose money. But I think this is where people are wrong. This is the wrong mentality. These, these are just myths because history, history has shown that the stock market has always recovered and has generated like 10% like return. So usually um, you want to make sure, so usually like stock market is not a place for gamblers. It's it's a place for anyone. It's And it's the easiest way for you to, to build wealth. And I think in that sense, you want to make sure that you're investing like in diversified uh, in this indices or you buy like diversified mutual funds. Those are the easiest way to get into the market or also to buy ETFs. And um, you mentioned about cryptocurrency. So I actually was uh, like, I did a lot of research and I read a lot of stuff about Bitcoin. And um, a lot of people call it as the, as in digital gold. 
but I don't know how I feel about that. I think everyone has a different opinion about Bitcoin because it's like something relatively new. And I think there are like a lot of regulations around Bitcoin. People are a little bit skeptical about it because it's so new. Uh, you know, you don't have that many intermediaries when you're dealing with Bitcoin. Uh, people think, uh, oh, is it going to be the new currency that we'll be using? I know that some countries, I think like El Salvador has already adopted the use of Bitcoin. And there were many issues in that country where people were saying, like, I'm getting paid in Bitcoin, like my salary, my paycheck are in Bitcoin, but then Bitcoin keeps fluctuating. So every time it goes down, their salary amount goes down. So I don't know how I feel about Bitcoin. Um, I think there has to be a little bit more studies to be done just to understand um, if it's something that it's going to be, you know, in the long term. I think for now, when it comes to investing, you should just rely on what has been there for like, through time like investing into the stock market um because i think when it comes to bitcoin i always have like i always have like an opinion about it and i'm and i try to stay away from it i think if you ever want to buy bitcoin you want to just you know buy in small quantity and not make it a big part of your portfolio location all right well thank you very much for all your recommendations and your and your advice it's uh, very very useful and i think it's important you mentioned that um everyone can do it right so it's not only for the ones who feel like they're experts in finance so uh, no matter your profession no matter your background i think it's uh, it's important like you mentioned that anyone can start and now we're lucky with uh, platforms such as youtube or podcasts or books there's so many ways to get uh, to get information so you also said there's coaches courses you you can find and um, i think that's uh, that that's great that we have that uh, nowadays and we can have access to information so easily you just have to make sure you choose the right information but that's uh, that's another that's another challenge but thank you so much for sharing all your recommendations and just to go a little bit again um, more towards your personal story um, we talked a lot about your studies, but not really about when you started working in the finance industry. Do you want to tell us maybe a bit more about how you, what was your first encounter with the finance uh, industry? Okay, so you know some of the tips that I, tips that I mentioned earlier, how you're supposed to be like networking and mm -hmm. build your curriculum when you're when you're still a student. Well, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like the worst example, but um, I didn't do any of that. And I struggled a lot when it came to finding my first uh, first job. It was, it was very hard because especially like in Canada or in America, it's very competitive, the market. You have so many like knowledgeable and smart people that sometimes it's very hard to, to beat the competition. So I just remember that I was like, okay, I need to find a job. I, I, I have nothing. So I went to a networking event. It was like a career event. And I just met the first person that was there in this company, that, which was my first job. I just gave my resume to this person. And I said, yeah, I'm looking like I'm looking for a job. I'm interested in working for you guys. And then a few weeks later, she called me. And that's when I started to like get interviews. I did two rounds of interview. And that's uh, how I got the job. And I remember feeling super happy when I got the first job I was like oh my gosh it took me so while to find it because I started from like early, like an early time to look for a job but I was always getting rejected and I think everyone will go 
will go through that phase. Like we're always going to get rejected when you're looking for a job. It's it's not easy and you need the good connections. So I remember that's how I got my first job, which was in the financial services industry. And then later on, I had to change the job. And this is where, this is how I am in my current company. So it, it was a rough start. And, and I think it's always going to be a rough moment always. Like even when you are working for a long time in the financial industry and you want to switch, it's not that easy. Like it's it's hard because the market is always changing and you probably have to always, you know, do things to educate yourself to become a little bit more knowledgeable because maybe some some jobs require that particular um that particular expertise and knowledge like excel or using macros bba if you're like working in the financial service industry so things are always changing and evolving and you always have to evolve yourself too to adapt to the new world yeah and i think also uh, you talked about having a network and making connections and i think sometimes um especially students at university you know they focus a lot on like academics and not really on uh, other stuff if i may say when i think it's important also to have uh, activities outside of uh, outside of school so for example if i take uh, my 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 story i this podcast that i'm doing is not uh, related to my school you know it's just me who decided to to start this podcast And um, I did so because I was curious, I wanted to learn. And when I started, I didn't really think about, you know, the future and really the benefits that I would get from this podcast. And now it's been a year that I have it. And I realized I've made a lot of like connections actually. And now I know people from all over the world uh, in different fields. I think it's nice also to mention that other than your activities in your school or uh, in the workplace, you can also, you know, start uh, projects on your own. And that those will also bring you a lot of uh, value, I think, that can then be used in the job market. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And um, so you've been in the finance industry for six years now, right? If I'm not wrong. Okay. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and um, how, how, has it, uh, how has it developed? I'm sure uh, your viewpoint now is not the same that you had six years ago it's um i enjoy being in the financial services industry i really like it um i do think it's very it's very male dominated industry i do i do think of that and it was always like that like i even when i when i took my classes i belong to the smaller like uh population of a female population taking finance uh, as, a, as a degree. It was always like a lot of boys in the class. But um, it's the same thing also in the, like when you're working as a professional, it's the same thing. It's very male dominated, but I think things are a little bit evolving and progressing a little bit better. I think we see more women working in the financial industry and we see a lot of women um, having their own businesses and being financial coaches so things are evolving in a, in a better way but as i mentioned before like you always have to invest in yourself you have to take classes or you have to learn new stuff if you really want to stay uh, if you want to keep up with the competition or if you want to get a job and i think when it comes to finding a job even if i've been here for six i've been working for six years it's still hard when you uh, when it comes to like changing job or looking for another job and this is where your connections are so important and 
myself a little bit like you. I feel like through my YouTube channel with all this podcasting, I think I built a huge connection of people and I know people from different countries. And I think this is so important to do, especially if you're a professional, because you never know it might open new doors and to different opportunities. So it's always important to network. Like networking, I think it's it's probably the key part of working in the financial industry or just working in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so you just mentioned that there are not a lot of women in this industry. And um, I know that for you, it's important to teach uh, girls and women about uh, about finance. So, um, I mean, you already answered why it's important to you. But how, how do you do so? Uh, what have you been doing these past years to really achieve that, that goal? So I've been doing a lot of volunteering activities. So I volunteer in many organizations that are dedicated to women's empowerment. And that's where, for instance, maybe I'm a mentor or maybe I'm a, like a financial coach and usually we're like paired up with someone. And that's how I teach like more about personal finance to different people. And usually these are like girls or women. Um, I also wrote a couple of articles, blog articles for other organizations, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own blog. And in my blog, I try to be a little bit more personal so people can actually relate to me and, and like understand a little bit more about me and how I can help them. And in my blog, I actually also try to write more about finance or personal finance, so hopefully people can actually learn from it. So these are some of the ways that I've been using. And also going through podcasting, I do podcasts where... If I talk about finance, I try to tell people how they can invest in themselves or how they can save, how they can invest into their market. So these are some of the tools I've been using. And I think um, I do a lot of that with all my connections. Like if I see like a, that I know someone that works in the financial industry, I ask them, okay, do you want to like create a video? Or do you want to do an episode together where we talk about this? And in that way, we can get a different audience and also get a broader audience as well whether it's women or men, like it doesn't really matter. I think we, we should be equal in that sense. I think it, it's, all, it's also about equality, but I think, um, as I said before, when it comes to like teaching finance to women, it's more because I think, especially from the South Asian perspective, women are never taught about finance. And I think we need to break that. We need to change that. I think everyone should be given the equal opportunity when it comes to like managing finances at home or just knowing about finance in general. Yeah, and I think uh, it's interesting that you um, that you mentioned that because then it really shows how uh, the fact that you're a global citizen has impacted also your passion for finance. So I always like you know to see like links uh, made. So I think it's it's really nice when you have uh, one aspect of your life you know that impacts impacts another. And uh, you also mentioned again right now uh, investing in yourself, and that's. Uh, that is important to you. So as you know, on this podcast, I talk about, about passions and also about wellness because I think uh, passions can help us overcome fears. And I believe passions can have a lot of power in your overall wellness. So it can be physical or mental mental wellness. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that with, with you also. And uh, so that's a very simple, straightforward question. But how do, how do you think your passion for finance impacted your uh, your wellness i think in general it has been a positive experience i think when you do what you love there will always be 
something that will bring a lot of calmness. Like I think, like I do a lot of things uh, in my free time that are related to finance, and that brings me a lot of uh, happiness and fulfillment. And I always have people telling me like, how do you manage all this in like in your day in your daytime? Like, where do you find the time? And I tell them. If you do what you love, you will always find time. That's my my motto. And I think, um, like when you follow your dreams, when you follow your goals, and you don't let anyone to stop you, and you just do what you love, I think it just brings you a lot of happiness and fulfillment in general. And it, it is also a question that I ask to many of my friends because I have um, a friend who runs her own business. She quit her nine to five job, and I told her. Are you happy now that you left that job and you're running your business on your own, which could be stressful and could impact your mental health? And she was like, yes. She was like, even though I work maybe nine to nine now because I'm just running my own thing, it just brings a lot of fulfillment. Because I think it's, it, I think sometimes it's not really about money or it's not about doing what the society tells you to do, but I think it's also finding what you think is good for you. And I think when you find your own path is what will bring a lot of wellness, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's interesting. You've just mentioned that your friend who uh, now works a nine to nine is happier than when she worked a nine to five. And I feel like a lot of people sometimes they, you know, the nine to five has become kind of like um, the scenario if i can say that a lot of uh, people from our generation want to avoid now you know like uh, a lot of people want to get away from that uh, nine to five uh, job scenario and at the end of the day it's not really about how much you work as you've just uh, mentioned it's really in what environment you work is it fulfilling to you um i think it's uh, it's nice that you mentioned that because sometimes we think okay it has i have to work as little as possible but uh, you you say it's not really about time it's mostly about what you you do if i understand correctly yeah yes mm-hmm. yes i agree yes yeah and um and you talked also about stress that uh, it can bring a, it can bring a lot of stress so um what what do you think what would you like to say at least to people who want to become financially independent uh without the, the stress that it can uh, that it can bring also, especially in our in our society now, you know, with uh, with uh, all the, the the pressure that that we may have. What are the best strategies according to you? Uh, you know what you you mentioned a good point, and I think um, I don't know if you watched that TV show called this uh, Squid Game mm-hmm. on Netflix, where like I really enjoyed that uh, show, but I enjoyed it because of the the financial perspective that was in it, where you see people are like stressed out, they're like burned out because of this whole financial burden that they have and they have, they're like sitting on so much debt that they're willing to go and play this game and willing to have people killed just so that we can, they can win that, that much money. But then at the end you see that even if you win that much money, it's not bringing you any sort of happiness and I think and I think the society always makes us think that money is a source of stress, but I don't think it has to be like that. It, it really, it, it, I don't think it's, I mean, it could be a source of stress if you do not know how to manage it well. And I think as people, we tend to like overspend sometimes. We also tend to see how other people are dressing or we tend to see more as a social status, right? Like if we see someone who's always dressed with like, 
I don't know, Gucci, Armani, or things like that, we tend to think, oh, they're super rich, but maybe they're selling us so much debt. And just because you see them rich, it doesn't mean they're rich. You know, you have to feel rich. I think that's more important, which goes back to how, like, it goes back to how you, like, the whole financial mindset. Like, you don't have to be rich, you have to feel rich with yourself. And um, I think when it comes to, like, managing stress with finances, I think it's just having just being disciplined and having good money habits, you know, making sure that you are saving, that you're not spending much more than you can afford, that you have, that you're not living paycheck to paycheck, that, you know, um, there's this simple budgeting tool, it's called 50, 30, and 20 budgeting tool uh, that tells you like how much of that money should go to your needs, how much to your wants, and how much to other stuff. And those are like simple tools that you can use to really budget. And I think it always starts from yourself. Like if this something that you want to do, if you're determined enough, then you will make sure that you're not, um, you will not cause finance to be your, your stress factor. So it always starts with yourself that if this is what I want to do, I will make sure to achieve it. And I know I have all the tools available for me because we live in such a like world full of information that there is no way that you cannot achieve what you want. So that would be my advice. Yeah, great. And to add a little bit on what you were saying, I think uh, also if for some people it's hard to, or it's a burden, you know, to keep track of their finances, um, they can tr associate it to something that's important to them. So I don't know if it makes sense when I say it like that. But for example, let's say you, you love to travel and uh, you want to manage your finances better, but it's a burden for you, then try to just think of your goal, which is to travel. If like thinking about finances is too stressful, like attach it to what you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. And it always goes back to your why. Like you always have to think about, okay, I want to travel, but I feel like I don't have that much money. But Let's think about the ways I can make more money, which is maybe you can ask for a salary adjustment at work, or maybe you can build multiple sources of income streams. And I think that's where you can like link your passions and you can monetize your passions. And I think that's probably the easiest and probably the best and fulfilling way of like monetizing your passion and just be financially free. free. Because for instance, if you have, let's say a passion for cooking, you can write a cooking book, you can open your own YouTube channel and you can like monetize all these things and you get money from different sources and you're not depending on one source of income. And I think this way, you know, you can achieve your goals. So I'm getting money from this other income so I can buy, so I can travel two places per year instead of one, for instance. Yeah, yeah, I really agree with you. And uh, like you said, there's a lot of several options. And if you combine them well, for sure, then you can uh, try to work towards towards your goal. So I think that's a uh, that's very good uh, advice. Um, I think then that that's it for the most of the most of the episode. Uh, we talked about your the fact that you're a global citizen, also your experience in the finance industry, uh, advice that you have for people that want to start, you know. Uh, becoming more financially independent and also um, what are the links between finance and, and wellness. So I think that was for sure uh, very interesting. I want to give you the opportunity though to maybe if there's another um, point you want to bring or if there is a last uh, topic that you would like to, to, to bring up before we conclude the, this episode. Yeah, I just want to tell your audience to... To never stop learning. 
And I'm a big proponent of, of that. Like I am someone who enjoys learning even if I graduated from university. Like I'm still learning nowadays and I'm still studying in finance. I don't know if I told you, but I'm also pursuing a designation in finance. I, I didn't stop there. But something that I want to tell people is that there is never a stop to learn. Like we can learn all our life and this is something they should you should always do. Like learn as much as you can and just enrich yourself with so much knowledge and and um, so much knowledge that we can have all around us. That's how you will be a better person and that's how you, you will grow personally and professionally. Great, yeah. Again, completely agree with you. I've said that several times uh, in this episode. And if uh, people want to, to learn more uh, from you, where can they, can they, can they find you on uh, social media? So I have a YouTube channel. It's called uh, Urmi Hossain. So it's uh, U-R-M-I-H-O-S-S-A-I-N. That's my uh, YouTube channel. And I also have a blog. It's called myways.ca. So this is where people can find me. Or you can also find me on LinkedIn. Just type my, my name as I mentioned before. Yeah, and of course, all the information will be in the description. So it, it will be easy to, to find you uh, anyways. Well, thank you so much, Omi, for, for this episode. Uh, I was very happy to, to talk to you. And uh, we talked about learning. I definitely learned from this conversation. So that's always the, the most important part. I hope uh, you were able to talk about um, all the topics that interest you. And uh, again, I thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to me and to my audience. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone listening to, to this episode. Um, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on Instagram. It's the live they live underscore podcast for more content. There will be more content about Uh, the topic of finances also on Instagram, if, if you're curious. So make sure uh, you're here also for the, the next episode coming in two weeks. Bye. <laughs>